0: Welcome to City Tech Stories, a podcast highlighting the experiences and voices of the City Tech community. Each episode will center around a theme and include perspectives from across the college. I'm Elvis Pekaitis, an adjunct reference librarian here at City Tech. Today's podcast is an interview with Colleen Burchett, a professor from the English department. Great. All right. Hello, Professor Burchett. Um, hi. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Um, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple questions about your participation in the OER Fellowship here at City Tech. Um, for those of listening, OER stands for Open Educational Resources. So. I'll start off with a background question, um, but how long have you been teaching here at City Tech and in what discipline or department?
1: Well, I've been teaching here since uh, the fall of 2011 and all of my teaching in fact has been in the English department. Mm -hmm. I teach writing courses and literature courses. Great. So,
0: Cool. Um, that's a good long while. So, <laughs> um, And how did you hear about the OER fellowship? Um, what drew your interest, and how did you kind of reach out and get involved?
1: Well, um, it, I heard about it in the email, and um, it was advertised through the email, and I guess what drew my attention is because part of my background is instructional design, Mm -hmm. but it was the early phases of some of the digital technology now. And Mm -hmm. so it was fascinating, the idea of updating some of my skills and also um, just being able to approach teaching in different ways. So I was very excited about both the learning experience and what
0: it could do for the classroom. So that's what drew me to it. Nice. So you had some experience with digital teaching tools already yes. uh-huh. in previous years. Um, great. Um, so I guess I was curious, kind of to go off that, how your students have changed in terms of their use of technology over the years since you've taught at City Tech for a while. Have you seen changes or an increase in their interest in digital or something else?
1: Well, they the the their involvement with uh, digital the digital delivery of various kinds of information has increased over the years Mm -hmm. and many of the ones that I'm working with now, they have been interacting with things like phones and computers and laptops since they were infants, you know, Mm -hmm. in fact I have nephews who, I have three little nephews who all line up on a board and they're under five years old and they're all working on computers already (laughs) and so students like this are not that much older than I mean it's like a couple of decades down and uh, I I think that their whole world is digital, which is unlike my experience and experiences of the generations before them, even the media generations before them. So in in addition to television, you know, they're walking around with uh, phones and with uh, earplugs and everything, you know, their whole world is that. So you have to relate to them differently
0: than you would have before. That's a good point. I've observed this myself in the, the youth today <laughs> um, at City Tech and beyond. Um, yeah, and you had mentioned a project called something, a digital bibli- bibliography that students are working on currently. Could you describe a little bit about that project and kind of how you came up with it?
1: Well, the course, it's called, um, the, the course is in writing and social justice, mm-hmm. and it's built based in the current uh, 2020 election campaign. Uh And what's happening is we're teaching them about discourse communities and how discourses change based on the medium, the audience, the situation, and the purpose. And so what happens is they have broken down into theme groups and that like um, environmentalism, immigration, racism, um, technology, and women's issues. So within each one of those, they're seeking discourse communities that are attached to specific controversies that they're working on. So, for example, if they're interested in DACA and this, its survival, they're looking at, they're trying to locate a... Uh, discourse communities who are dealing with that issue but in different ways and who have different discourses and different symbol systems and different languages and whose whose communities are diverse based on their specific interests and their specific relationship to the inter- the problem. So one of their projects is to create a digital bibliography so that they go I take them into the lab and they create uh, a page um, in which they break down different types of uh, discourse, discourse communities and underneath those they identify online um, different groups and their uh, discourses you know the samples of artifacts of their their like newsletters and all and um, once they do that And my plan is to have them uploaded into a blog to be able, so that they can all within their group be able to see all the different groups that relate to all the different issues and all. And that's something that this type technology really does make possible. And it's just beautiful because they can put that online and other people can see it, it can be uploaded, and it can be uploaded in an OER online so that people across the country could possibly see it. So these Are things that you could not do if you were limited just to print. That's so. So that's their project right
0: now. They're working on that. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, no, it sounds (laughs) it sounds really um, conceptually rich, you know, and just like different cultural backgrounds and kind of letting the students guide their own interests, you know? Yeah. um, yeah, that always seems to go best, obviously. Um, but that's great. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing about that. Um, I hadn't heard the term digital bibliography before, so <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, I guess um, it kind of leads into the question of how did students receive the OER? Um, did you feel like they kind of understood the concept of having a class that's on the open lab? Um, were they able to access things? You know, What was their sort of intuitive reaction to using that? And maybe, Instead of a textbook or like an anthology, and maybe describe what you were using before that. You know,
1: I was really surprised at how quickly they were able to adapt to it, Mm -hmm. because in their daily lives they're doing all kinds of different things similarly to that, and I was really surprised. Now there is some diversity in the classroom in terms of the ranges of their uh, uh, their. Exposure to mm-hmm. these different kinds of things. So the, the class is not all uh, the same, but I think that generally speaking, they catch on pretty quickly. Especially if you take cool. them into a lab and introduce it to them there, they mm-hmm. can quickly catch on and you can catch up those who aren't able to process what's going on. Right. So it's
0: very yeah, they, they were able to adapt to it very okay. easily. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting. The print versus digital question yeah. comes up mm-hmm. a lot and um, sometimes we have faculty who are like no, they need a book. You know, they need a print um, kind of volume to ground them. But I think you're saying that they're easily adaptable. They've used... Well,
1: there's print <laughs> online. What they're reading is basically the same as... The, what there's a difference from reading it in a hardbound book than reading it online. There are essays and there are all kinds of uh, things that, and they can juxtapose different texts and see differences and similarities between mm-hmm. those texts. Whereas if they had to go get hardbound periodicals and put them beside one another, it's really cumbersome. Hmm. And, um, you know, but they, that doesn't mean that they sometimes don't need to do that. Right. But basically it's a real, it's not eliminating the need for print, it's just putting print in a different uh, mode so that they can hmm. read it. I like that. Yes. Taking yeah. a different direction of print. Yeah. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Um, ...anyway so that other faculty can't share it back and forth. So if you have any thoughts on like the pros and cons of using something like Blackboard, if you think OpenLab kind of makes more sense for where things are going. Well, I do think the OERs um, in the OpenLab, they're more
1: they're more accessible in many ways because everything is right in the the same place. And because of the advances in technology, students are able to access things a little more quickly than they do in Blackboard. But I don't think that it's necessarily an either or. Sometimes it can be both and because there are certain advantages to connecting the OER with Blackboard so that you can, um, because sometimes there are Copyright issues and lots of other things and so sometimes what happens is that you can link um, students to resources on blackboard that they might be might not be able to put on the open lab hmm. um, but because educational laws protect certain kinds of things for teachers to use in the classroom just for educational purposes sometimes you can get around some of the restrictions because it, it is privatized and it's not uh, the blackboard doesn't open it up to the whole universe so that you don't <laughs> violate certain copyright laws mm-hmm. in in So that's one advantage of doing both. So I don't see it necessarily as a competitive. And I also think that if an instructor develops an OER and has to go through the process of getting clearances on copyrights and things like that, by having both available while you're in that process, it makes it easier to be able to deliver the instruction and then before you put it on like Academic Works or somewhere, you can get the clearances you need and things like that. So that's been an advantage for me because I can link them to Blackboard. Um, I use Blackboard in the process of developing an OER. Mm -hmm. If I haven't had time to get it set up on the OER, on the open Mm -hmm. lab, I can develop it up to a certain stage on Blackboard and test it out, make it work, and then go back and do the programming itself that is necessary to put it on the OER. So I think they work together nicely.
0: That they don't have to be competing with one another. I love that. It's a very diplomatic answer. (laughs) Um, Yeah, one um, question that that kind of leads into is you had uh, mentioned CUNY Academic Works, um, which is the institutional repository of CUNY, for those who don't know. Um, It's a site that you can upload lots of scholarship onto, and you can also upload OERs. Mm -hmm. So I think you had mentioned that your OER that was on there had some downloads and international attention. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well,
1: I did know we ER, are um, in I learned how to do it here right here in CUNY in our department in, at uh, City Tech and uh, I posted it, it was posted on uh, Academic Works mm-hmm. and um, every month they send me an email and we say allow me to see exactly how many downloads it has had mm-hmm. and where in the country because it allows instructors to go on the site, the platform and download the manual or download Mm the uh, syllabus, either one. So uh, what's happened, I was surprised that over a period of maybe about a year or maybe or less, uh, I've had 73 downloads across a wide variety of countries from Mm -hmm. England to China to Taiwan to... um, uh, and all over the United States, up and down the East Coast, in CUNY, um, and on the West Coast. So it's amazing to me that people have downloaded it. And because I've given them permission to adapt it for their uses, but you, you, you have the The system allows you to decide what type licensing you have on your materials. Can it be Mm -hmm. adapted? Can it be um, just cloned or whatever? But people, I don't know exactly what people are doing with it, but it does open up the flexibility. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really happy. And so I'm open to trying to get some research done on who's using it and what have you. But it's really great to know that your
0: material is... Yeah, no, it is great. It's um, it's kind of exciting. You're like, oh, I made this thing, and now others are yes, <laughs> <yes. laughs> like, Wild, so yeah. Um, I think that's great, and I think it um, it kind of highlights the core of OER, which is resource sharing, right? You know, and you you know, just the fact that faculty do sort of work in silos, and right. they can tend to work within either only their department or right. maybe even people in their department don't really know what they're up to in right. the classroom. You know, the classroom has been a pretty Closed space. Yes. So I think what's really cool about this is it's sort of pivoting towards a more open, you know, potentially worldwide uh, international fame. Right. But even just the idea of sharing is really new.
1: has a sort of like a social justice component to it as well because mm-hmm. we have different, well not just within our own country and with, in CUNY and within our own class, classrooms but across the world people are in different economic situations mm-hmm. and this is making knowledge available to them because they wouldn't be able to uh, afford textbooks, you know, and some of the kind because I know that many organizations that we're in, you know, churches and so forth donate textbooks, mm-hmm. card textbooks have over the Years to various places around the world. But digital technology in this OER, this makes it possible. You don't have to come up with the money to mail it to them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a garage where everyone brings their old textbooks from their libraries and has people shipping them. You have to do any of that. Just press a button and it's there. And so I think that is
0: marvelous, you know. Yeah, no, that is um I think that's really interesting too because I think there's a lot of potential for OER in the future. Yes. For kind of cross collection Collaborative, um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. interactions with communities. Because oh, yes. um, you wouldn't want it to be one directional, right? Right. Being right. Like, oh, right. West, that well, gets rid of it. Yes. Supply, definitely. you know. Right. <laughs>
1: Outreach. Right.
0: right? Definitely. So I like that. That's another component, yes. Two way street definitely Yes, definitely. It um, but yeah, that's super great. Um, yeah, I think my, one of my last questions was. Um, and maybe circling around to so some of those issues of content, because um, you had spoke of how previously you were using an anthology you know, that was sort of assigned. It has a fixed amount of text. And the topic is diasporic, diasporic voices, right? Yeah. So you want to bring in other things. So could you talk about how it changed the content of your class? Right. That,
1: I um, think yeah. one of the limitations that I faced over and over again as an uh, instructor is the the, the the fixed content in a given textbook mm. because someone else decides what goes in and what goes out and that's sort of their worldview and mm. their pedagogical view and it's also um, you know how they view the textbook and it goes through many many textbooks go through so many revision processes and there are certain centers in our country who dominate the textbook industry yes. and it's their you know, theology or their uh, concept of the world that gets into the text, and who gets whose voices get heard and whose don't. Well, one of the things that OER allows you to do is to sort of modify that not only for your own conception and so forth, but it also gives you the opportunity to adapt it as times change and as issues come up on the national and international scene, you can adapt it adapt it much more easily than you can a textbook so that it meets the needs. And so my particular book that I did, uh, text, has to do with Giving voice to diasporic voices, people mm-hmm. who come here from around the world, and some of the struggles that they have in being able to adapt to the American society, and so mm-hmm. many of them uh, have become authors and they've written about their experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I have I represent. Uh, this was a very short summer course, so I had to it was it had to be condensed. And so what I did is I only utilized the works of four authors, mm-hmm. and but each one represented a different continent and each one I talked about the, they, they were They, of course no one person can represent the whole continent but basically they were examined against the backdrop of the historical background of that particular culture hmm. like we looked at Chimamandi Ngozi Adichie's work mm-hmm. representing Nigeria and uh, we the students learned about the whole history of Nigeria the Biafran War um, all, all the different generations of immigrants that have come from the back in the mid 20th century to the today and she represents a more modern uh group that that uh, represents this era, millennial uh, generation. and uh, so they were able to learn all of that, and I could select the content content. I could pull together resources, much of which was digital, digital, from all over about Nigeria. And the next one that we did was uh, Neil Patel from India, and we talked about his story, and then we went Laura vapnir from who was a Soviet Russian Jew, and her experience. Um, and her grandparents' experience with the Nazis and and the idea of uh, Hitler and all this and that era and they were able to learn about that and then the last one that we looked at was Juno Diaz who represented Latin America if we want to say the Dominican Republic I Dominican moved it over to <laughs> Latin America And but many of our students are from the Dominican Republic so they were able to talk about his experience and then they really were able to engage in their own experiences and talk about similarities and backgrounds and grandparents and so forth. It was really a fascinating course to to teach, but I think it was all enabled by digital technology, the open educational resources, and open lab. And that is a course that other people could easily access once it's put on academic works. So I really was excited about it. And um, uh, Elvis, you Mm -hmm. are the one who
0: helped me to post Ah, it. excellent. I want to
1: thank you here
0: Thank you so much. I didn't even know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that course sounds amazing. I mean, I think just um, exposing students to all these, you know, because I know City Tech students are from so many different backgrounds, you know, and you can only imagine that, okay, they know their own experience. They know their family's experience, you know, their parents. But I think imagining kind of transposing those themes onto another culture, seeing what's different, other time periods, I think that's... so rich with possibility. Um, So yeah, thank you, that's great. Um, Yeah, I guess um, finally to bring it back to city tech students, I was just gonna say, um, I mean, city tech students, given that they are from so many different backgrounds and like so many socioeconomic kind of um, contexts, would you say that the OER, did they have a positive reaction to not having to buy a textbook? I mean, yes, question,
1: they did. But, they uh, really, really did. Because okay. we don't even know what some of these students are experiencing in their everyday mm-hmm. lives. I've talked to counselors who work with students here, right. and they opened my eyes to really some very desperate situations. People don't have food. Uh, people are uh, students don't have food. Sometimes students are working as translators for. The Their families, um, and maybe the only ones who have enough facility in English to negotiate with the outside world. Many of them are helping to support their families. Many of them in the current Political context in the country are frightened that either they or their parents or their loved ones or their friends might be deported mm-hmm. or might not be allowed to come into the country because they're on the banned list. And there are a lot of things like that that many of them are very much upset about. And many times we don't even know why it is they don't turn in the homework. Yeah. You know, it's more than just their ability to understand the work, many of it is they're really distracted. And so I think just taking one Load off of them by not um, insisting that they pay a hundred dollars for a textbook that they might not use more than a chapter of mm-hmm. is really a gift that OER, the OER system and the digital technology and all bring to City Tech students because we don't, we can't even imagine how wildly diverse their backgrounds are socioeconomically, so not just culturally. But there are many other aspects, and I think the digital technology does uh, have a way of helping us with all those different aspects and relieving different elements of their life that bring on pressure to
0: students. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I think that's a great window into the world of city tech, you know, for people who may be listening and, you know, a little bit of context, but yeah. We have no idea what students, and they're all, everybody's different, so, like, which specific situation they're dealing with. Um, But, yeah, thank you for bringing it together with OER. I appreciate it. Um, So I think for that concludes our time with Professor Burchett, but thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. um, (laughs) See you soon on our next. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Next episode will feature Professor Christopher Swift from the Theater Department here at City Tech. See you next time.